It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's just me today. Joe is doing the Thanksgiving thing, then he's going to work, and then he's on vacation. So it'll just be me for the next six episodes, this one included. And today we're going to start out, as we always do, with a quick update on the news, and that is going to focus on the injuries and a little bit of a preview for what to expect in the Jets game. Later on in the episode... I sat down with Mike Renner for a solid amount of time talking about the future of Joe Burrow, the draft prospect, and a guy that's really doing unprecedented things in college. So we'll hear from Mike, the college lead and draft expert for Pro Football Focus, about Burrow's future and his opinions there. And he answered some of the same questions I had for Joe last week, so stay tuned if you're a bungle for Burrow kind of fan to hear more about the potential future quarterback for the Bengals. But first, here's some news. Fans speculated that the return of Andy Dalton might mean the return of A.J. Green to practice this week. That doesn't seem to be the case. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko. For the 13th consecutive week of the regular season, and if you go back to the preseason, 17, 18 weeks if you include the bye, the Bengals will be without superstar wide receiver and offensive cornerstone A.J. Green. Dalton, with and without Green, has huge splits, performing like an average to above average quarterback from a productivity perspective with A.J. Green off the field and a below average quarterback when A.J. Green does not play. This week's game against the Jets provides an interesting opportunity for Bengals fans to watch how Andy Dalton performs with essentially the same tools around him as Ryan Finley did in the last two weeks when he completed less than 50% of his passes in two consecutive games. Cordy Glenn will be reprising his role at left tackle. He is not on the injury report, and after playing relatively well in his first game of the season in Week 12, he'll be expected to play again at left tackle, at least bringing some stability especially in pass protection on the left side of the line of scrimmage. That being said, the Jets don't threaten with a fearsome pass rush, although I'm sure we'll see them get some pressure on Dalton this weekend. They do, however, have one of, if not the best run defense in the league. And the Bengals are coming off playing a really good defense in Pittsburgh. They'll have another tough task getting anything going on the ground this week against the Jets. The passing defense has a little bit more opportunity for the Bengals to make some hay. However, 
when you're missing AJ Green and you're missing John Ross, Andy Dalton faces an uphill battle of moving the passing game with Tyler Boyd leading the way, Auden Tate continuing his emergence as a solid NFL wide receiver, and Alex Erickson giving you whatever he can. In light of some of those issues of wide receiver, the Bengals have been using Giovanni Bernard more split out wide or in the slot. In the last couple of weeks, he's had 13 and then 8 snaps in the slot for the Bengals. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to use Gio as a pass catcher, using Gio and Joe Mixon together on the field at the same time. And perhaps this is another opportunity for the Bengals to get Joe Mixon involved in the passing game. However, his pass blocking does continue to be an issue. So if there's pressure and he's forced to stay in and block, that hasn't always gone well for Mixon this year. And for the Jets defending these cobbled together wide receivers that the Bengals are throwing out there is a cobbled together group of cornerbacks led by slot corner Brian Poole, who the Bengals, you might remember, brought in for a visit last offseason. He came from Atlanta to the Jets on a one-year, $3.5 million deal. He's played really well in the slot. Outside, though, they've got some new guys in there, and we'll see if they continue to play well as they have played better than the previous starters for the Jets where corner was really the biggest issue for this defense. That secondary, of course, is led by Jamal Adams, a strong safety, and I expect that he'll continue to play well against a Bengals offense that's had a hard time sustaining drives, keeping it going this year. Sam Darnold did show up on the injury report today with a knee and thumb injury, but by all indications, he is expected to play. So the Jets, while they have a laundry list of injuries, a lot of guys, limited participants in practice, They're still missing C.J. Mosley and Paul Borrello at linebacker. They will be at relative health. The Jets also have issues on the offensive line, but Sam Darnold has played well in the last few weeks, so if that continues, this is going to be another tall test for the Cincinnati Bengals. Without A.J. Green, and now missing Nick Vigil most likely, he's missed two practices this week after stepping up a little bit on defense in the last two weeks against the Raiders and the Steelers having really his best two games of the season, his best two games in quite a while, the Bengals do face challenges as they have all year at the linebacker position. They're pretty healthy on the defensive line, and Darquez Denard is still in there to help with run defense and on that edge. But without Vigil, things do get dicier than they already are at a very thin linebacker position for the Bengals. They'll see old friend Le'Veon Bell more like old foe Le'Veon Bell this week, and he's had a hard time getting it going behind a pretty porous offensive line. He may have been spoiled a little bit in Pittsburgh, and it'll be interesting to watch him firsthand against a team that he's very familiar with, and honestly was pretty effective against quite a bit of the time when he used to play for the Steelers. We'll see how he does behind a line that doesn't let him fully stop his momentum and pick a hole while they open one up. Bell's patience was a virtue in Pittsburgh, and I'll be watching to see if it continues to be virtuous and pay off for the Jets. So coming up next, I am here with Mike Renner talking about Joe Burrow. But before that, I just want to remind you, you've only got a couple weeks left here before the Bengals go down to Miami. And you've got a place to stay for just $149 a night at a luxury hotel, the Kimpton Epic Miami. Go check out our Twitter page for the deal, for the link to the hotel. 10 minutes from the beach, 20 minutes from the stadium. 
a balmy low of 65 degrees in the middle of the night and the highs in the 80s. It is going to be beautiful when you take your trip down to Miami to watch the Bengals secure the number one pick. And I mentioned watch them secure that pick because you've also got discounted tickets at the friends and family rate through the Kempton Epic Miami Hotel. They've hooked you up. Tickets starting at just $35. Go check out the Locked On Bengals Twitter page for all those details. And one last chance to get some free money from my bookie. You can't get that risk-free bet on the Lions-Bears game anymore because it's happened. But for Thanksgiving week only, there is still a special on. Just go log in to mybookie.ag. Make your first deposit if you're a first-time user of my bookie. Use promo code LOCKEDON and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. That's on top of the risk-free bet they offered earlier this week, so if you missed out on that one, you can still get in for this week only, a guaranteed deposit match on MyBookie.ag. If you're a true football fan and you like to make those bets on those sports games because you know better than Fred down the street or... Susan in the office, I don't know who's talking to you about sports, but if you know better than your fellow sports fans, your fellow football fans, go out there, get some free money from mybookie.ag and double that up. Remember, that's promo code locked on. Today, the day after Thanksgiving, you get to hear from PFF's Mike Renner. You heard me talk with Joe Goodberry about my concerns about Joe Burrow last week. And now, Mike, I know that you're a big Joe Burrow guy. You have him as the number one player on your big board, surpassing Tua, surpassing Chase Young. So maybe just start by extolling the virtues of Joe Burrow as the number one player in the 2020 draft class. Well, I think there's two big aspects of the quarterback position that uh, basically we look at at PFF that are the biggest things. Uh, One is decision-making uh, the two biggest aspects quarterback way one the first one decision-making are you you know put putting the fo- going to the right spot with the football on time uh you know are you are you making good decisions with the football you're not you know you're making correct reads uh with the football I, and i think joe burrow more so than any other quarterback in the nation is doing that uh, this so far this season and then two are you accurate can you so can you know where to go with the football and once you know where to go with the football can you get it there accurately and again, the accuracy is shown this year is unlike anyone we've ever seen, you know, in our six years of grading college football players, he has just been uh, not missing throws uh, at probably the, the best rate, you know, you know, on point at the highest rate we've ever seen, especially in those downfield throws that we look for, uh, because everyone, you know, we expect you to hit the screens. Can you do it down the football field? He's done that better than any quarterback we've ever charted. Yeah, and he is posting just some staggering numbers in that regard. The completion percentage on throws 10-plus yards down the field, at least when that stat went around on Twitter a week ago or two weeks ago, was 10% clear, I think, of the next bunch of best in college football history that have been charted, which was 60%, and he was up at 70% on those throws. Completing passes at just an incredible rate. So I'll outline for you, my biggest flags for Burrow. And by all means, I recognize that he's doing something unprecedented in college. I think he can be a very successful pro passer, especially after reading the SI piece that he's actually making some calls at the line. 
I thought he was getting everything from the sideline when he looked over there. It sounds like he does have a little bit of autonomy, which you don't see very much with college quarterbacks. But my my big things are he doesn't have much on tape in terms of throws to the sideline, especially in the intermediate part of the field. In those 10 to 20 yard outs, that kind of area of the field is not something that I feel like you can even really say you have enough throws to necessarily evaluate compared to the amount of targets he has in the, you know, the short part of the field, the middle of the field and deep. So that's one. And two, I'd say while he has this great ability to avoid pressure, keep his eyes downfield, make plays downfield sometimes, and this is nitpicking. Sometimes I think he is a little quick to take off and run. So let's go through those two. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong about either of those things. Those are both things that he's not, uh, you know, that he, that he is not def- necessarily a lead at. They're not his best traits by any means. But I think, uh, one, those throws outside the numbers that you mentioned, uh, I go back to a few years ago when Teddy Bridgewater was with the Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater had the highest completion percentage on throws 10 to 20 yards, uh, you know, outside the ha- outside the numbers. Teddy Bridgewater has an average arm. Teddy Bridgewater does not have a cannon for an arm. Those throws are more about timing, uh, more so than uh, necessarily uh, you know, having a rocket. Now, having a rocket helps. Having a strong arm helps. But I do, I do think that you know, throwing with timing buys you so much leeway in the NFL. Uh, and I think that's what he does better than anyone the quarterback. So it's just not really an aspect of the LSU offense, like you mentioned. There's just not a lot on tape for him to show it. But I do think the timing he shows on a bunch of other different routes if you are in a system that you know that utilizes a deep out utilizes a lot of deep comebacks i think he's still going to show that he throws those with anticipation and that can make up for uh, you know like his arm strength is still better than like guys like drew Brees in the league right now he's, he doesn't have a noodle for an arm by any means like it's not uh below you know the nfl threshold so that that's what i'd say about the first one the second one yeah he'll get in trouble with that uh, breaking the pocket quickly uh, is not going to be good. But I do think that he's not necessarily – he doesn't look lost when he's breaking the pocket. He's not running into pressure. He's running when he sees a running lane. And, and I think there's a big difference there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, he's still not taking a lot of sacks. If he, if he was taking a good number of sacks with that, I'd be concerned. But sometimes if, you know, four guys rush and they all go way past you and you see a lane wide open, he's taking it. And I think sometimes that's a good thing. It's a good trait to have for quarterback. Uh, to, is to be able to see that and to be able to take advantage of that. But I, I don't think it's it's not like uh, even Deshaun Watson coming out. Deshaun Watson had a similar uh, sort of uh, feel in, in, or similar sort of uh, a propensity to try to, you know, first read, second read, not there quickly, break the pocket, get out of there. Deshaun Watson ran to a lot of sacks back in college, even at Clemson. Now he's doing it in the pros also. So I do think that uh, the sack totals that he's had not being super high is uh, concer- or is probably uh, more indicative of uh, his pocket presence and what he'll be at the next level. And yes, he he will run uh, and he probably will run into more sacks once he gets to the NFL. But it's not so much so that I think it's going to be uh, you know he's not going to be among the league leaders in sacks. Yeah, like I said, that's a, a nitpick of mine that there are times that I think okay, you don't need to run there. You can take your time or make a small adjustment, but. I agree with you. I think a lot of the time he's making decisions to run because he can run and, and he's getting some big gains out of those plays at times. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, real quick, to mitigate the concerns from Bengals fans who just watched Ryan Finley for three weeks and they're concerned about this arm strength thing, I think it's a big deal that you said his arm is in your opinion, better than Drew Brees, right? Who is obviously an extremely mm-hmm. successful NFL quarterback. And if Burrow hits a ceiling, they're kind of on the same spectrum of the way they play the game, right? I mean, they're both playing in the same sort of offense. Both have similar strengths. Is that a fair ceiling to say? Or, I mean, maybe it's not fair to say anybody can be <laughs> Drew Brees, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, the way he plays the game, uh, he is mitigating that any arm strength concerns with throwing with anticipation, with having a quick release. And, and I think with the Ryan Finley thing, you saw that impact him in college. When he goes up against, when he went up against Clemson pretty much every year at NC State, he just got demolished by that mm-hmm. secondary because he couldn't make the deep outs. You know, yeah. he couldn't throw. He just didn't have enough juice on it. And guys were just sitting uh, on his, you know on his deep balls because he couldn't fit it in those tight windows. And every year against Clemson, he just fell apart. Joe Burrow goes up against Alabama defense as talented as anyone else in the country and picks him apart. So I I do think that we've seen him go against top tier competition and light them up. So at that point, uh, he's not falling apart. It's not that arm strength's not, you know, becoming an issue at any point or hasn't been an issue at any point this season. That's a really good point. You point to, the Alabama game is one where he continues to go out there, plays pretty well. It's not as good as his games earlier in the season, say against Florida, against Texas, against yeah, Florida's probably the best one, yeah, right, against some of the worst teams that he's played. But I want to talk about the Auburn game because the only two other issues for Joe Burrow as a draft prospect are the age question, right? So he's 23 now. Is this as good as he's going to get, or is the area for improvement? maybe a little bit smaller than some of the 21-year-olds, Tua and Herbert. And then I look at the Auburn game and I wonder, well, what happened in the Auburn game? They took away the middle of the field from him a little bit, and all that was left was the underneath stuff, kind of struggled finding places to throw the ball. Yeah, the Auburn game, I mean, he still, again, put up a big stat line. Like He still was accurate, still put up a nice stat line, and still was protecting the football fairly well throughout the course of the game. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, a good sort of indicator is when it's not there, when it is struggling, when it seems like you know things are going south. Can you still play? Can you still give your team a chance to win? I think he very much did that. You, you compare him to you know other quarterbacks in the class when things go south, whether you know whether it was Herbert against this past week against Arizona State yeah. or uh, you know Easton against Utah. When things go south, they're you know quicksand. It gets going real south. I, don't, I think so. That's a that's almost a positive in Burrow's corner is that when there really wasn't there when. You know, he wasn't able to find guys open in that offense. He still led a quality offense, still led them to a win. So I think that's almost a tick in his favor at that point, if that's the worst game you could point to. Yeah, uh, and, and then, what, sorry, what was the other part of that question? Well, I was just going to say, you look at the Auburn game, he still completes 76% of his passes for 320 yards, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's his quote-unquote worst game. The other question is around his age. He's 23. You see this oh, big yeah. leap for a lot of 23-year-old quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is the other 
one that we can point to in college. Carson Palmer, if you want to go back further, although I don't know that Carson and Burrow, as was pointed out in the recent SI article, are necessarily good comparisons, but it's not it's not really a concern per se, but it, do you think Burrow is still the best quarterback in this class in three years? To me, it's this the developmental curve for everyone is different. And uh, some guys will be good as freshmen. You know, some guys will be good as sophomores, like Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, some guys won't be good until you know seniors, redshirt seniors. Uh, but I think showing elite level play, but it's the more not everyone can get to a certain level of play. You can be good and then cap out as good, or you can. But to have shown elite level play the way he's playing, which is you know unlike anything we've really ever seen in college football. Maybe Baker Mayfield came close, but uh, he's you know playing at a higher level than basically anything. Uh, anyone in recent memory. So at that point, it's like he could be 27 and I'd probably still draft him number one overall because uh, he's just doing things that you've never seen in college football. So I, I do think that uh, the age, yes, I would rather he do it at 21, but you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point. Yeah. Wouldn't we all rather that he was just a year or two younger? Uh, are you guys already into the advanced, um, you know, next level accuracy charting for, for the college quarterbacks, or is that something yes. that happens? Late? So you do have that information. Yeah, we've so been you doing know, it weekly. Yeah. You know, just how accurate he's been more than any of us in the public could, unless we're charting his accuracy bullseye percentage. Yeah. So like compared to even Kyler Murray last year, uh, and like throws, uh, 10 or throws past the line of scrimmage. I think it was, he's like, 10 percentage points uh, That's crazy. of throws that were on the bot on the receiver's body so like murray ridiculous stats still great completion percentage but wasn't putting it as perfectly placed as the balls that burrow was putting in crazy do you think that joe burrow can come into a zach taylor led team and be successful or do you <laughs> do you think that we need to see some um, revamps to that coaching staff well i think you obviously i think they obviously just need not necessarily coaching staff, the offensive line. Like they sure. obviously need yeah. to piece some guys around him. You can't just no quarterback's going to be thrown in as a rookie and just be able to succeed behind that offensive line. Just obviously wasn't going to happen with Finley. It wouldn't happen with Burrow either. So improving that is number one. I, I think Zach Taylor. I mean, I think this the scheme is sound enough to you know he could succeed in it. Obviously, McVay's having his own struggles, mm -hmm. but I, I do think you're going to have to at least give Taylor another year to try to work his magic. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it starts with the talent around him though, first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, something that we've talked about on this podcast is with what Joe Burrow's strengths are, it would really benefit him if AJ Green and John Ross can play and be healthy next year, because having those dynamic guys on the outside can help mitigate some of the arm strength questions when you have guys that are going to just have separation, right? Less tight window throws outside. You mm -hmm. feel a little bit better about where he's, Deadly accurate middle of the field. Not worried about that at all. But if you can get that separation outside, that would be something that would go in his favor. And like you say, if Jonah Williams plays and they can get another tackle, get another guard, maybe you feel a little bit better about a rookie quarterback. Yeah, it really, I mean, they have a talent receiver. They just, the offensive line uh, is a, obviously, I don't have to tell you, it's a massive issue. Oh, yeah. You don't have to tell us. Well, thanks so much, Mike, for coming on and talking about just how unprecedented Joe Burrow has been in his time at LSU. And we'll probably hope to talk to you sometime a little bit closer to draft time when the Bengals are, for this podcast, hopefully on the clock to pick number one. <laughs>
<laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.